Hi, everyone, and welcome to Glassbreakers Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Logan, and every week I'll be featuring innovators and disruptors. So settle in because it's about to get real. So today I have the amazing Liz Black from P.S. It's Fashion. She is a journalist, professional journalist, blogger, brand consultant, and motivational speaker. Woo! <laughs> Felt the need for that, like, big. So I'm pretty pumped. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, like, learn about how you got started blogging and specifically writing because you've done a lot of really great professional work on some, like, pretty incredible websites. Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) I majored in psychology And first job out of college, I was working as a legal secretary at a corporate law firm. Okay. Right away into the career I wanted, obviously. Obviously. Like, yeah, I see it going that way for sure. Yeah. I, um, I've just always believed that you should be kind to everyone. Um, not in terms of trying to get anything out of them, but just, it's easier to be nice, but I have definitely found in my career that being kind of being nice has paid off for me greatly um, at the set at the uh, law firm that I worked at. There was a receptionist who had friends that were starting a digital magazine and she connected me with them. And I had started a blog way back in the day and it was called, it was on probably like Blogspot or something. It's yeah. called faux pas is no moth. <laughs> no moth. Um, and I just basically put it together so I would have writing samples. Um, and I just reported on things I saw in the fashion industry, um, you know, target collaborations, whatever. Love. But um, I interned for one day at the Sigil magazine, sent them my writing samples, and they asked me to be the fashion editor the next day. What? Um, well, it, it was a startup. It was a digital startup, and it was 2007. So it was a little bit of a different place then. But um yeah, on my first day there, when I was technically still an intern, um, we did a photo shoot with Lady Gaga. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like literally moving back and forth on camera. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? Like, I did not expect that. Okay. Again, 2007. She still had jet black hair. Yeah. She showed up not wearing pants. She had just shot her first music video, which literally was footage of her performing at clubs and concerts and like rolling around on the floor in her underwear. And it was super, you know, grainy and raw. And um, she was really easy to work with. She was, it was a lot of fun, but it was before she had blown up. I think she might've performed at Coachella or some other concert, like on a small stage, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, she was still very unknown. But I do remember going back and being like, okay, like she was amazing. And a bunch of the songs that um, were her like big hits she had at that time. So I remember going back and like finding her in MySpace and sending her link to my friends being like, she's really good. Um, Yeah. And I later got to interview her on the phone, which was really cool too. What an incredible like story to have an experience. Yeah, I still have the the miniature tape re, uh, recorder like cassette somewhere with that interview because I had to do it over the phone at the law firm I worked at, like in my partner's office when he was out that day. Because like <laughs> this is what I was trying to do with my life was like 
ultimately I knew I wanted to work in the fashion industry. I had attempted to get into FIT on their fashion design program when I was uh, finishing up my last year of college, um, mm -hmm. getting a flight degree. And when I went for my interview there, it was very, very clear to me I was not going to be getting in. Um, I was mistaken. I thought that you went there to learn how to do things, but you go there to refine the skills you already possess oh. from years of training or, or, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are just phenomenally skilled who don't have any experience that get in, but I knew it was very competitive, but I met people there who had spent like the last four years of their lives preparing for that. People who came in with like gowns, like a project runway audition. Um, and I had sewn a skirt and I was very proud of myself. I did everything was asked of me, but I left there knowing I wasn't going to get in. Mm. So after, you know, I got a job and I had money coming in and everything, I wanted to figure out like, how can I possibly work in this industry that has always been important to me since a very young age and always something I want to be involved in? What is another way to do it? And um, I have always possessed writing skills. I wrote a lot of poetry in high school. I won a silver medal from Columbia for one of my poems in our school's literary magazine. Um, That's incredible. So I, I just, I knew this was something I could do potentially. Um, and it worked out for me in that sense of like being nice to this receptionist. She connected me to this digital magazine and it kind of grew from there. Um, that year, Fashion Week was still at Bryant Park at this point, and the law firm I worked at was directly across the street. And one of my big goals was to go to the tents and see a show there. And I probably emailed like 200 different PR people wow. and got invited to nine shows. Amazing. And I snuck backstage at a few more. Um, this is great. Yeah, because you could back that. I mean, like, you couldn't, you couldn't, but like, you really can't now. But yeah. like, it was very much that idea of like, if you seem like you belong and you walk with confidence, people aren't going to really stop you. But, you know, I never went in with attitude, never had like a, do you, don't you know who I am kind of thing. Like I was very kind, gracious, um, and found other people. There was a photographer who I just had met during that fashion week. And so then we kind of teamed up to be able to like get backstage at things. So there were designers I interviewed whose shows I hadn't seen because I just was backstage after the show. Um, and I have a, back, a background in improv. I ran the improv troupe in high school in my freshman year of college. So I found that those skills are enormously helpful. Anytime I've talked to anyone who is uncomfortable with public speaking or gets nervous, I don't recommend necessarily taking a speech course because that allows you to plan and prepare. Mm -hmm. and it probably doesn't hurt, but improv forces you to think on your feet and also get over the fear of looking stupid because at some point in time, guaranteed you will look dumb you'll do something dumb the world's not going to end but like we you know we messed up we're human but it is so helpful for like rolling with it and that whole entire idea of yes and like just just go with it and see see what happens with it um yeah so okay, was, this this is actually really really cool because like I've never heard this kind of advice in my life and I would have thought like motivational speaking right away but improv makes sense and I also love how you address like if you have confidence and look like you belong because mm -hmm. I've heard a few people talk about this it's like 
it's usually actually Americans who talk about this. And something I really respect about your culture is that like, if you want something, you go for it. Like you emailing 200 PR firms to try to get into, you know, nine fashion shows, which is incredible. And then you making it a point because you wanted to get backstage, not having to be rude about it, but making sure that you tried to get there. Like you didn't take no for an answer. And I think that's really respectable and admirable because a lot of us, Sometimes we let our fears get in our way. Yeah. Well, I feel like the worst thing that could happen is they say no, or they say you have to leave, or you can't do this, or whatever, and then you go. And it's not the end of the world. You don't fight it or anything like that. But, you know, it's it's definitely, a there's a fine line because you don't want to go in with any kind of attitude or acting entitled because it's not about entitlement. Um, it's just about feeling yeah just confidence in it and just I think the best thing to do is like you don't look around you're not like oh where are things (laughs) go and uh and it worked I don't know if it would work these days though because I mean forget quarantine and all the stuff but like just the location that they have the shows at now it would be a lot more difficult it was definitely a different time because it was things were a lot more relaxed Mm-hmm. Um, security was more relaxed. I mean, I didn't even have a smartphone then. I had paper invitations. This thing way back. I had to, yeah. Like if I had gotten an email invitation, I had to physically print it out and bring it with me. I had printed MapQuest instructions. Yes. Or, you know, just things written in my my notebook so I could figure out like where do I need to go. Um, yeah, it uh, it was it was a different time. I literally had a so tape recorder and not my phone. So very different time, but. Um, you know, having that kind of confidence definitely helped with also talking to people and just being willing to introduce myself to people. I did have business cards from working with this digital magazine. Um, that's another thing I definitely recommend that even if you don't have, you know, it doesn't matter if you're not working for a company, like you should have business cards. There should be something you can physically hand a person that will define who you are to them and has your contact information because, the I think it's a terrible situation when it's like you're meeting a contact, you're meeting someone professionally, you're networking, and you have no way of them contacting you. Just do- jotting down your number, your info, or something like that, it doesn't necessarily come across the best. But also, it's very easy for people to lose that or forget or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, having that was very helpful. And at one of the shows I was at, I was sat next to an editor from the Huffington Post and ended up talking to her. And then sent her over some of my links and started writing for them, which was unpaid. But and that's when I truly just did need the exposure. Like, yeah. like, you know, now I won't accept being paid in exposure because I've been doing this for like 12, 13 years now. But when I first was starting off, like, hell yeah, I needed links behind my name. I needed to be like, look, I have published work somewhere um, because it's such a fucking catch 22 in the world where it's like, People don't want to give you experience until you've had experience. Yeah. So, like, unfortunately, yeah, in, in most creative careers, when you start out, you have to work unpaid and it sucks. And it's not something that I'm necessarily advocating, but it's something that's kind of like a necessary evil that I understand to just at least get some, some proof that I have skills in these things. Yeah. So. No, I hear that. We've definitely all been there. Even now with certain collaborations and brands I want to work with, sometimes in order to get my foot in the door, the first step is a free collaboration just to show them the work ethic. And 
sometimes I find that some bloggers or micro influencers don't quite understand that because they want their value to be in money and fair. Mm -hmm. We all deserve to be paid for our work. But sometimes I think the relationships you're building and the connections you're building, you don't also know where that can take you to. In regards to the business card, I did have a question about this because I know like a few years ago, I used to carry business cards all the time. Mm-hmm. Are they still, is that still something you should have on you these days? I think so. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who think it's old school. I mean, you can still share social media handles or websites or something, but I, especially in journalism, maybe more than blogging or working with brands, I definitely think that having a business card is important. And you can have one for yourself. You don't have to have anything established. You can just have your name and your email address and a title, something, even if it's not something you're doing yet, something you want to do. So you can put down that you are a writer or a vlogger or an artist or whatever, even if it's something you're still working towards. Yeah. But that will help people easily contact you. You know, one thing that I've had people do before too is just to take a picture of my card instead of taking the card. And that's fine too. But um, I also, I really like Moo for business cards. That's what I use. And I like that I can have different photos on the back of mine and it always catches people's interest when I pull out a bunch of them and they see they're all different. And they're all like, oh my God, it's almost like collector's cards. And it's like, yeah, collect all the lizards. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have different business cards for journalism and for blogging. So really, yeah, because I found that, and a lot of it was my assumption, but I do believe that a lot of editors and professional journalists were not taking me necessarily as seriously when I would hand them my blogger business card. Mm-hmm. So I made a separate thing that just says writer, has my Liz email address and said, yes, it's fashion, you know, so keeping those two things separate because that's why I say those titles separately because it is two different ways of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, you know, journalism is something outside of myself. So it's reporting on things bigger than myself. Whereas as a blogger, yeah, of course you can talk about other things that are happening in the world. But for the most part, most bloggers are writing about something that has an impact on them personally. Uh, Whether it's style or family or health or whatever, it's usually on a more personal level. Um, So I've been trying to keep that separate. But, you know, I mean, whatever. There's always crossover in all these things. And being a blogger has helped my writing career and being a journalist has helped my blogging career. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure that there are people who look at my numbers and don't understand why I've been able to do some of the things that I've done simply because like I only have 26,000 followers on Instagram or whatever. Oh. Right. Only, which is crazy. Cause I think about putting 26,000 people in a room or something. Like if I, I could not fit 26,000 people in my it's a lot of followers, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, and I know there are people that have more, less, whatever, but yeah, some people still focus a lot on numbers, and personally, I focus more on just, you know, what I can bring to the table that might be different, mm-hmm. and, you know, part of that has been working as a journalist on the other side of things. Um, yeah, but I mean, pretty much all of my experiences of how I've gotten to where I am now, everything is kind of you know, been in like a butterfly effect or a snowball on each other where, you know, one thing can end up leading to another thing to another thing. I mean, there are people that I have connected with eight years ago that nothing happened out of that connection until a year ago or something. Wow. Like, you know, that's the whole thing with networking. I think a lot of people expect 
like, okay, I'm going to go to this event and I'm going to meet people and then I'm going to, you know, blow up from there, get an offer or whatever. Yeah. And there's, I mean, that could happen, but chances are slim and there is a ton of phoniness in the industry, a ton of false promises. I can't even count how many times I have had some random editor, writer, whatever, probably drunk, but promising me some sort of a gig that never came to fruition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, but you just don't know how things are going to play out down the line, which again, helps with be kind, be nice. You don't know what's going to connect. I have literally have had opportunities offered to me because the PR people have said that they just have enjoyed interacting with me and enjoyed my company. They appreciate the fact that I have never been an asshole to them about things or been entitled. You know, I, I went to uh, Vancouver Fashion Week a couple years ago, two, three years ago now, and the PR people had connected me to it and they, you know, were happy to get to travel with me and they had reached out to me over other people simply because I'd always been very kind to them. So someone that was fresh on their mind and I've had a couple gigs come out of those PR professionals. And I also think of them when I need to recommend PR people to someone. So that's really incredible. Like, like I'm even just like looking at your shirt and literally says, I think it says be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's really refreshing now. Okay. I know there's certain instances in this industry where you feel like you need to speak up for yourself. How do you maintain being kind, but also what would be the word for it? Being firm in your convictions or values? Um, yeah, I mean, God, there's gotta be a thing like, um, trying to think of an example. I'm asking because at times, like I can be, I think more aggressive than I'd like to be when I'm trying to stand up for myself. And I think sometimes with brands, that's not always the best option. Sometimes it's better to say nothing than to say anything, which is hard because you want the respect, but you can't really demand it. So I'm really intrigued by this. Be nice all the time. I'm like, what does this look like? Give me the secrets. Well, I mean, with being nice all the time, it's kind of like, you want to think about how you're treating others and just how you would like to be treated in that sense, kind of in that old fashioned golden rule thing. So I try to, even if I'm annoyed with someone, I try to speak to them with kindness, with understanding, with trying to get an explanation from them. I've had things with brands before where I have felt something is shady or just not, you know, they're, they're paying me one thing and they're paying someone else something. I mean, I very much still stand up for myself. I had a situation where um, another blogger friend of mine, um, she and I were both working as a consultant for a plus size brand. We were doing the same type of work. We were mostly working together on it. Mm -hmm. And we had been asked to name our rate because of it being a smaller startup company. I had suggested a rate that was significantly less than what I would have if it was a big brand. And I found out that she was being paid um, three times what I was being paid. So I let them know like, Hey, either you have to pay me the same rate and, you know, going forward, I wasn't going to make them prorate it, but, or I just, I'm done. And they did, they matched it. And they were like, Oh, you know, we paid you that because that's what you asked for. I was like, 
we're doing the same exact work. I only asked for that because I was trying to be kind because I know you're self-funded, but yeah. you cannot pay her three times what you're paying me for the exact same work. That's fair. Um, so it's like, you have to still stand up for yourself, but you can do it in a professional way. But that's a situation where I was willing to walk away from it if they weren't going to match it. Because yeah. to me, it was kind of, it felt more like an injustice. And I don't know if it's just me being like, I, I feel very identified with being a Libra, but I have a very, you know, strong point about things feeling fair and fighting against injustices and that being one of them. I had a situation like that before where I had modeled in a fashion show for um, JCPenney with um, Ashley Nell Tipton. Oh, yeah. And I found out I was being paid significantly less than the professional models. And, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, Candace Huffman or Ashley Graham level of model, but like, you know, they're still professional plus size models, but still, I've also been a professional plus size model in this field. And, you know, if they had to look at it, I had more followers, greater numbers than them, if they had to look at that kind of stuff. So I told them I felt I should be paid the same amount and a little bit of back and forth, but I did get paid in the end. And so I think it is very important to stand up for yourself, but you don't have to be a dick when you stand up for yourself. Like you don't have to be aggressive. Like I always take time, like, especially if I am, if I'm mad or I'm pissed off or something, I will always take time to step back from the situation to calm down. I don't want to write anything out of anger. I don't want to write anything that can be misconstrued, you know, and I, I want to try to remove the emotional aspect of it when I am angry about something. And that's what I do in my personal life too. Like if, you know, if I'm annoyed with my husband, I want to take a moment to calm down before I can address something to him. Cause I don't want to like be mad or say something mean or yell or whatever, yes. because that's not ultimately what it's about. But in that moment of frustration, I could feel that. So I'll calm down and then I can just discuss it. So same kind of thing in my professional career. But um, yeah, I am a big proponent for fairness, for honesty, and for truth with it. And I've had times in my journalistic career, especially because, you know, I'm a freelance writer, so I can write from many different places. And I'm not on staff anywhere specifically, so they can you know, kind of do what they want with that. But I had times where I pitched things and was told no, and then saw that article on their website. And Mm -hmm. I called my editors out about it because I'm not going to keep pitching you and you just take my idea and have an on-staff writer do it for cheaper. Like I'm not going to bring you things and it sucks, but you have to be willing to make that, that stand for yourself and know that, Hey, if I push back, even if I do it nicely, it could have consequences and that they could be like, well, it's not worth working with you then. So but, it's like knowing your self-worth. Yeah. So, you know, but, but always doing it kindly because there's just no reason to be a dick while you're doing any of those things. You can that. stand up for yourself without being an asshole. And I don't, you know, I've seen people be very rude, be very entitled you know, whether they're standing up for themselves or just, they're just being an asshole or whatever. But I've seen a lot of that in my industry, both in just straight size fashion, like high-end fashion, fashion week kind of stuff, you know, plus size fashion everywhere. There are assholes everywhere in the industry, no matter what, I'm sure that's true in every industry. Yeah. But there are nice people too. 
you know, and I'm just not willing to give my energy to the ass. I love this. Like, I'm just like, I'm eating it up. I'm like, this is everything. Like, I love when I'm doing a podcast and I'm like, this is everything I needed today. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Where you're just like, wait, this all came together for a reason in the universe. And I think people are really going to benefit from it. So in regards to your journalism career, so you started with journalism and then when did you branch off into doing blogging? Um, I think I started my blog maybe like 2011, I want to say. I think it was post being married. But the main thing was, so I've been working in predominantly the high-end fashion industry. Um, I was writing for the Huffington Post. I did, um, so in 2008, when the uh, economy went to shit, I lost my job at the uh, law firm, which was, you know, as I say, a blessing in disguise. It allowed me to get on unemployment. It allowed me to apply for an internship in the fashion industry because truly you do, you do need one to break in the door. Like if you don't have a connection through your family or your friends already, the only way you're going to be able to make connections really is through internship or a job. And it's very challenging to get a job in the industry without an internship. I did not do any in college. I wish that I had. Yeah, me too. To do it. But with, you know, being unemployed, it was a perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah. I interned at a high-end showroom that was, at the time, was, like, very illustrious and very well-respected. And it was very similar to, like, maybe a scene that could fit right into Devil Wears Prada. It was high stress, high expectation, like... They didn't want to see you eating. They wanted you to be in, you know, heels all day and not sit down. There were times my husband drove in with slippers because I just couldn't walk anymore. I had blood in my shoes and blisters. Oh my God. It was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. And there were plenty of times that I was like going to the bathroom and cry. And it was, it was, it was a very exhausting experience. However, I, um, you know, I got a lot of experience through it a lot of connections through it and I left on it with good terms I did not ever quit out of anger or whatever but it definitely opened my eyes to the industry and let me figure out pretty quickly that even though I was good at sales because I was working on the sales side of thing they had public relation and sales I did sales it wasn't what I loved and that kind of came to a head during fashion week that season I think it was February Fashion Week, and I was at a show, and I we had been helping out before, like earlier in that day, mm-hmm. been helping out because this year, I mean, this uh, Sherm had shows, and we were told by the other sales girls, like, hey, you, you're done for the rest of the day, you can go to shows, go home, whatever, and because of having this experience, and it was still at Bryant Park, I was like, well, I know how to get myself into shows, I'm going to figure it out. And I was sitting in the on to the show and got a text message from one of the other salespeople basically screaming at me saying, what are you doing? Why are you not here? Everyone's supposed to come back. And it was like, they told me right then, they were like, you need to, I was like, no, I'm covering this for Huffington Post, which wasn't true, but whatever. <laughs> I'm going to leave the show. And they were like, well, you have to decide right now what's more important to you, writing or this internship. And I realized it was writing. Mm-hmm. So I looked for a different internship. 
I left the sales internship on very good terms. I'm still on good terms with everyone there. Um, they haven't had shows in the last year or so, but they always invited me to their shows. Wonderful. And they still invite me to their events and whatever. But I realized writing was what I wanted to be doing. And it was what was more important to me. And I ended up interning at City Magazine, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a print magazine. I got to uh, interview Dean and Dan Caton of D Squared. And that was my wow. first print published paid piece in a magazine. Wow. Which hopefully I still have somewhere. I don't know, with the move and everything we lost. So we don't lose it, but I don't know where things are. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it helped cement to me that that was something that was important to me. And being that I already had made contacts with different PR companies and was going to events and, you know, trying to promote and share a lot of these designers, write about it, just kind of writing about anything I could on the Huffington Post. Because at that time, you pretty much could. And again, even though I wasn't being paid, I mean, my a lot of my articles are still there where I was yeah. covering fashion week shows um of that that you know showroom and everything even too but having those types of links were very beneficial to me as it kind of grew from there and then having a published piece in city magazine helped it grow so i continued writing for a variety of different places websites and print and um i think it was just a point in time one of my pr friends kind of mentioned that like they felt I should start a blog because they just weren't used to seeing plus size women who dress well in the mm-hmm. fashion industry. At that point in time, there had not been any plus brands show during fashion week. Wow. I hadn't seen any plus models at any point in time. Um, there have been none at New York fashion week so far. I know that like, I think it was like Gautier had used a few in the past, but more like to make a statement and yep. then, you know, not the same kind of thing. But it was very much not commonplace. And then also, I was used to being the biggest woman in every room at the events mm-hmm. I'd go to. I would go to parties and fashion shows and whatever, and there was no one that looked like me around. And I did feel very out of place. But I, even though I was dealing with kind of my body acceptance journey at the time, mm-hmm. being big wasn't enough to hold me back from doing any of these things. I still was going to do it, even though I still was very uncomfortable in my own skin at that point. And also I was considerably smaller then than I am now. And I was more uncomfortable myself then than I am now, which is funny. Been there. But, um, <laughs> but I I started the blog mainly because my peer friends were like, you should do this. Like we don't we don't see people like you. And I'm sure there are other people out there that would appreciate it. And I was like, you know what? Sure. And obviously there were other bloggers around before me, like Gabby and Nicolette and so many more people who are still doing it and people who aren't, but it still was more in its infancy than, than now. Um, You know, although I'm not, I would not consider myself one of the OGs of it, but it, it was a lot of fun. It was just a great outlet too, then to either document my personal style or just whatever it is I wanted things, pitches that maybe didn't get accepted by editors or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so after I've been doing that for, I don't even know what period of time it could have been like six months, a year or something. My concept of time is completely gone, especially now in quarantine. I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't even know uh, what day it is anymore. Right me either or what month or whatever but, but also just 
not that I am old, but just the older I get, the more time kind of mushes together and the faster yeah. things go. So I'm like, I can't believe how long ago things were. But at <laughs> some point in time, I had signed up for some sort of emails with Refinery mm-hmm. and they reached out to me about participating in some sort of forum they were going to be doing. And I had responded because I remember it was during Fashion Week when this was happening. I don't remember which one, but... Um, and responding basically, you know, saying that I wanted to write for them, that I wanted to cover plus size fashion for them, mm-hmm. that they did not have really any plus fashion on their site, that they claimed to be, you know, inclusive and whatever, and that I didn't really feel like they were. And I sent them yeah. links to my work to a variety of different places I've written for and my, uh, and my blog. And I heard back from uh, Connie Wang, who then was my editor for several years after that, but basically just like pitched her and built this position for myself through this just happenstance email that had been sent to me about something else altogether. That's amazing. It's one of the the important lessons I've learned in life is just putting myself out there, Mm -hmm. telling people, I would like to work with you. This is what I would like to do. I want to be involved. I want to help. I want to be included. Just put it out there. The worst thing is they say, we're not looking for anything right now. No, thank you. Or you hear nothing. I've never had anyone be like, you know, go fuck yourself or anything mean. You know, the worst is I've been told no. I've been told no plenty of times. I've probably been heard no more than I've heard yes. But (laughs) there's something I really want to do. At the very least, I want to put it out there in the universe to make it known I want to do it. And I think that's extremely important. Like if there's a brand you want to work with, a person you want to work with, a website, whatever, make that known. Put it out there in the universe and not yeah. just in like a vision board sense. Like reach out to people, look at the masthead, look at the website, whatever. I mean, now is not necessarily the best time because a lot of places are hurting and a that's lot of people hard. are feeling back. But this is general advice that can be used across the board. Yeah really any field too because oh sorry peach bonked her head on the table she's okay but um but yeah like you need to let people know that you're interested in working with them because they will then keep you in mind or you could just have that timing where you just happen to luck out that at that moment they're like you know what yeah we do need this or there is this role we need to fill or whatever i've had that happen before um and I think, I think not enough people necessarily do that. No, I, I agree. A lot of fear yeah. people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say I never had that fear because I definitely did, but I don't now for sure because literally the worst thing that happened is they say no or I can try to do something and the worst thing that happens is I fail. And yeah. every single failure that I have had, I have grown from. I have learned from it. It has led to other things. Like, I'm just not afraid of it. And I think that, I think failure is honestly important. It is. I think we all need to experience it, quite honestly, so that we can grow and we Mm -hmm. can learn. I think that if everything always works out for you and is just handed to you, you will experience failure at some point because it's a guarantee and it will probably be soul crushing at that point. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I mean, it's like... I have a friend whose husband is like 
the definition of a mediocre white man and uh he is, <laughs> i don't i don't care for him i love her very much though but he has had a lot of life just handed to him he has been awarded the benefits of just being a white straight able-bodied man in america mm-hmm. and he got laid off from his job and that was two years ago three mm-hmm. years ago maybe i don't know he still is unemployed and he doesn't really try and Mm -hmm. I think it's because he literally had never experienced being laid off before or being fired before and you know he doesn't know what it's like to experience failure and it's just been so devastating for him that he is unable to rebound from that where it's like you know if I got laid off now it would hurt me financially from things but it's like okay it's happened before I can find something else life will move on exactly door that will open too exactly it's you know it's been a as weird as it is you know failures and things at the time of course they suck but like they all led to growth and positive things I think um something that I someone said to me recently because like I have um anxiety and I get a lot of panic attacks but the worst thing I've always said to people that can happen is someone says no right And I got really good advice recently um, from another blogger. And I said, aren't you scared? And she's like, we're all scared most of the time, but we still do it. You just do it. You push through it and you make it happen. And that really resonated with me for the people who maybe don't have the confidence quite yet, or maybe aren't Mm -hmm. at the place you're at. Like, I hope one day I can be in that place where I'm like, yeah, I'm not scared anymore. That fear is gone. I'm just fucking <laughs> I I have anxiety too. I actually I do suffer from anxiety, and my main thing is overthinking. Oh, me too. Like planning out like, okay, if they yeah. say A, then I can do B, and if they do B, then I can do C. And the form of anxiety where it's like literally trying to plan out every move, and it's just not possible. You know, you just don't have that kind of control in life. Nope. You have control only over your own actions, and that's literally it. And that's as much as I can possibly do. Um, It's so true. And like, even just with asking people, so like, for instance, I really wanted you to be on the podcast, but I was also really nervous to have you on the podcast because sometimes like I can be like a fucking awkward person. And I like almost canceled right before the podcast because I was like almost let my anxiety though, get the best of me for no reason. Oh, I'm friendly. I won't bite. No, it's just like the idea. It's like, okay, someone you like respect and admire, you like their work. And then I go and look at all your journalism stuff and I'm like, holy shit, she's accomplished. Nice little ego boost to me. Right? But it's like, I feel like for some of us, like even if, you know, we do have that fear, it's important to approach it and to reach out and to keep going and no really isn't the worst. And if you learn, if you learn from the rejection or you learn from failing, then is it really a failure? I don't feel like it is, honestly. Like, I mean, maybe in the traditional sense of it, but every mistake that I've made, I've been able to grow from and learn from and maybe not in the moment of it happening. Yes. Like, you know, I think that when you were literally in the thick of things, it, I mean, allow yourself to feel scared and upset and feel heartbreak or whatever, but you will get to another side of it where you can then see the lesson from it. It's not going to be apparent to you while it's happening. Yeah. This has been true for every aspect of my life. I mean, 
I think that I also have a little bit more willingness to be open about these things. And I'm more comfortable about it because I've dealt with different trauma in my life. Like my Mm -hmm. mother being sick for so long and her dying, you know, all of those things. I mean, when I was going through and grief is forever, of course, but when I was going through the grieving process last year, I remember saying to my therapist, like, I just want to be on the other side of this where I can be like, okay, these are the lessons I've learned from it. I've gotten something out of it, but right now I feel I've learned nothing and nothing is happening. And I'm on the other side of it where I will grieve her for the rest of my life. However, I'm in Philly now that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't passed. We you know we want to have a child. I don't know if that would have been a catalyst that would have happened until she passed. I really don't know. Like it, you know, as horrible as the situation was, it's made me appreciate, you know, myself more, my husband, my friends, relationships with all sorts of people. It's allowed me to be in the moment more and be present more. So having these horrible experiences as unenjoyable as they are, mm-hmm. are things that I cannot avoid in life. We can't avoid this. I mean, death is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. Bad things are inevitable that we will go through, but it's kind of how we can learn from those situations and evolve from them. And it takes time. You have to always give yourself time. None of this stuff has happened overnight for me at all. And I still have moments. I mean, We've been, my father uh, moved to live with his sister in November because he he has a lot of health issues um, and he cannot be by himself anymore and we cannot live with him and we cannot take care of him. And I'm also just, I am unwilling to do that. I don't have the relationship with him that I'd had with my mother. Um and he has decided that he is going to sell the house, which is not the best timing. However, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents were pack rats. And then my father was a hoarder uh, for yeah. stuff. So we've been going through a lot of things and bringing stuff back and boxes of photo. My mother, um, be- before I was born, she went to Pratt. She was a potter. I found a bunch of her ceramics that I have never seen before in person that had been boxed away since 81. Oh, wow. So like, yeah, so been going through it. So all of that brings up fresh new emotion it's and hard. through it again. It is. It's very hard, but it's been, you know, a really interesting experience for growth and, you know, just kind of getting to know my mother on a different level through finding her art or imagery from that time and learning more about their life when they were in their 20s and 30s that hadn't really been revealed to me, uh, finding old letters. So it's been, it's been really interesting. And it's still, you know, it still shows that there's always going to be work to do for your entire life. You will always run into these things and have to move through them and grow through them. I want to say, I'm sorry about hearing about your loss of your mom. I can't even imagine how challenging that's been. And I think it's really commendable, the strength that you have to recognize the silver lining in that hardship about how you've grown and how you can see the positive in it. Because I think a lot of people might see anger or just be stuck in grief. And I think that's really, really impressive. It takes time to get there. I mean, it's been like a year and a half. 
but I also had the opportunity to mourn her over the last nine years of her being sick and mm. changing and who she was from the mother that I knew growing up, you know, and seeing her uh, sick and in pain and going through all of that, you know, it, it changed my mindset on a lot of things a long time ago. So I've had a lot of time to get to where I am now. None of this has been overnight. And it's been also through therapy. And I yeah. mean, I take an antidepressant, like all of these things help tremendously and weed and dogs and like yeah. all of that kind of stuff is very helpful. You have to find what works for you. Um, and one of the things that's also been really beneficial to me during this time in quarantine is um, we, so we moved to Philly. Um, we're in the city, but we have, it's technically considered a house. We're the only people living in it, which is the first nice. time that we have had that, which is amazing. We have doubled our space here, which is phenomenal. We're very, yeah. <laughs> we have a private backyard, which is oh, just wow. a small fenced in area of concrete, but who cares? It's ours. Yeah. And I take time every single day to be present outside and just listen to the birds or the breeze or a plane or whatever. And look at the clouds or whatever it is and like literally be present in that moment because it's nice that in that moment none of the bad things are happening in the Mm -hmm. world because that moment is just that pure moments of being in nature and being calm and still and you know it's not about pushing thoughts out of my head and being empty it's about absorbing actually what's happening in that moment and what's in that moment is there's a bird chirping these are puffy clouds or it's raining or whatever. It's literally just being present in that moment. And it's something that I've worked on for a long period of time because of my mother being sick, because Mm -hmm. when she had Parkinson's, it was a very difficult disease. Uh, Mentally, it affected her a lot mentally and neurologically. Um, And anytime she had a lucid moment, you had to just, take it, just take it and run Mm -hmm. with it because they, especially over the years became more and more infrequent. And so anytime it happened, it's like, I would have to literally just try to be in that moment um, because who knows how long it was going to last. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I've been working on this for some time. This is not, again, not an overnight thing. So if no one, if you're not there, that's okay. Like if you- are not able to see the lesson in something or the silver lining or whatever. It takes time to get there on everything. in life. And I'm not going to say like every single situation was like, Oh, I'm so glad that that thing happened. Like, I mean, I like, I transferred colleges from my sophomore to my junior year to remove myself from an abusive boyfriend. And Mm -hmm. that's when I met John, who's my husband now. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to be like, oh, so good. I had an abusive boyfriend. Right. But then it led to me transferring schools and meeting John and all these friends I have now. And uh, personally, I think I got a better education at that school. And things turned out the way they did. And unfortunately, if I hadn't experienced that negative situation, I wouldn't have been at this new school. Yeah. So I try to look at it the same way with things in life. Like, yes, I, I think I probably would honestly trade having this insight and everything like that and being in Philly and all that stuff to have my mother back and have her be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't an option. I can't change anything that's happening or has happened, especially anything that's happened. 
I can just choose to try to learn and grow from it because all these things are completely out of my control. Yeah. And I think that that's helped a lot is just understanding that, you know, it's simultaneously terrifying and freeing to know you have no control over anything but your own actions. And I can't control what anyone else does or anyone in the world or anything I could potentially influence, but I cannot control anyone. So you can't stop a lot of these terrible things necessarily, Yeah, but it doesn't have to, terrible things don't have to stop you either. No, I completely agree with this. I actually just got off the phone with my therapist and it's something we have to discuss a lot about is letting go of the things that you can not control in life and controlling what you can and only focusing on those things because the negative, you can just spiral so quickly and there's nothing you can do. And you're right. It is terrifying once you realize that you have no control over certain things. You can't micromanage it. You can't do anything. But I think also being in this space, in this industry, we don't have a lot of control in certain aspects. Like I'd love to talk about the fact, um, just taking things over on a different note is that being a blogger, we have to pitch hundreds of brands and the rejection is so high. How do you cope with that? And also, could you paint a picture for what it's really like? Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just like completely 180 it. Like, okay. Yeah. No, I think that my situation is a little bit different than a lot of people only because of having the journalistic side at the same time. So they've definitely been, it's been a symbiotic relationship where they've both helped each other grow. I know Mm -hmm. that also I focused a lot years ago, I focused a lot more on the journalistic side of things. My blog's growth isn't as much as it could have been because I was focusing more on people who would pay me outright. That's fair. You know, just views or clicks or whatever. Um, But so I've been able to develop a lot of relationships with people through the journalistic side of things through mm. writing for a refinery or fashionista or the Kirby fashionista or bustle or whatever so cool having, having those titles under my belt helped me make a lot of connections as well on the blogger side of things and yeah things um you know especially in the plus specific yes um so pitching for me can definitely be a lot different because I can kind of just reach out to the connects that I already have at this point and be like, hey, would love to work together. What's going on? Here's some yeah. ideas or, you know, do you have anything coming up or whatever? But um, I honestly haven't been focusing as much on that as I probably should be um, and kind of have been focusing more just on my mental health and trying yeah. to figure out kind of what I want to do next in life. Mm-hmm. So it's been a bit since I've pitched places. I've also been fortunate enough that I've had brands reach out to me mm-hmm. um, because they've worked with me in the past in some capacity. And so they, they already know they like working with me because that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, and then make things easier. And I'm grateful. I think I probably, don't ask for as much money as I should be in every case. Um, so I'm sure that that hurts my bottom line, but it's definitely helped me in terms of making connections yeah. with brands. There still are a lot of brands who, you know, especially there are a lot of indie brands in the plus. Uh, there world. are. Yeah. And they really don't have the budgets yep. for a lot of people. And I, I can understand that and I can respect that. Mm-hmm. I try not to, 
actually work on just trade. However, one of the things that I have always been open to is if someone sends me an unconditional gift, yes, they don't establish any kind of strings with it. It's pretty much, unless I, for some reason, dislike the thing or it doesn't fit or whatever, it's pretty much a guarantee I will end up posting about it. Either a dedicated post on social media or, you know, stories or something like that because mm-hmm. they didn't ask me to. Because they yes. just gifted me the thing. And I, you know, one of the things that I, I used to do that with Macy's, they've stopped uh, gifting, at, you know, for now the contacts doing it that I had there is doing a yeah. gig. But she always made a point to like establish like this is an unconditional gift. I love that. And I probably posted every single thing that they said. Right. Yeah. Because it's nice because, you know, I, I like, I had another company reach out to me some point last year, um, a very well-known athletic company that I'm sure you've seen a lot of people posting about. I know. I'm like, Hmm, which one? (laughs) There are a lot of people who, I have the numbers that I know they have to be getting paid because I know they don't do unpaid things. Yeah. But this company wanted me unpaid. Um, they wanted to like have me pick out a set. Okay. You know, I'm willing. Okay. I'm still on board because I'll try it out. Yeah. But they wanted to have all rights to my images. They wanted me to sign a contract to have a certain amount wow. of posting and have certain language to use. And I sent them back my rate and I was like, you know, I am willing to, you can send it to me. I'll probably post it on my stories. Maybe I'll post it on my Instagram. Yeah. It might be more than an Instagram post that I'll tag. And maybe it's not about the outfit, but whatever. It'll still always put a tag in because why not? Yeah. But the fact that they wanted my image rights for me, they didn't want me to work with any other athletic brands. Whoa, that's a big ask. Yeah. What they were asking for was a lot. And it was for, you know, or like for some pieces of spandex, like, I'm sorry, I'm unwilling to do that much for you. I'm not willing, you know, I had the same thing with Fashion Nova and I don't mind naming them because fuck Fashion Nova. <laughs> tactics, like, like, where's the tea at? Yeah. I can't even speak right now. I'm like, I'm sucking on the tit. Like, what am I saying here? Sucking on the tit of shade. Like, Seriously, I I was very annoyed with my experience with them and they were extremely pushy about me posting and using all these hashtags and saying all these things like, you were not paying me. I didn't see any money from them whatsoever. Exactly. found the quality and the fit to be all over the place. There are pieces I was like, oh, I really like this thing and it fits nice. And other things that literally I couldn't get on my body. Yeah. They felt like they were made out of trash. Like, right all over the place and I I think that their their quality fit is inconsistent from everything I've seen as well and um for them to have as big of a following they do and they never post pictures of plus size people who look like me or you or anyone else I don't get it look I'm just not willing to spend my energy because that's what it is at the end of the day we only have so much time in our life and what do I want to do with my time And I don't need any more clothes from any brands, probably forever. I want, but I don't need. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not willing to do all the work that's being asked for you. It's a a big ask, some of these companies. I don't think like people maybe who aren't in the space who are listening right now understand the requirements sometimes placed on someone for an item that's worth a hundred dollars that may 
Exactly. And the hours of work and what that would equate to at an hourly rate would be. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, it really is. And it's like, I wish that more brands, and I'm sure that there are plenty of people who do not feel the way that I do with it, but I wish there were more brands that did the unconditional gifting. Like Me for too. Example, I don't know if you noticed, but my hair is blue. Yeah, it looks good. Besides my husband, my best friend, and my father, you were the first person to see it. So I love it. Don't tell people yet. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I won't. I won't. It's fine. But um, I don't care if it's like on the podcast or anything like that. But anyway, Overtone had sent me some colors. I'd reached out to them. I'd asked in the past if they could and then reached out again because I was like, I wanted to. I saw they had the for brown hair they sent me that they sent me the pink for brown hair which made sense based on what I had been doing um and some other colors and there was no requests on for me to post about Love. it or anything like that. and because I wanted to this is the first time I've ever had blue hair I wanted to document the experience so I put together a video that I'll probably put out today or tomorrow or whatever and you know it's featuring overtone in their product and no money has crossed hands. They have not requested this of me, but you know, hopefully they'll like it. Maybe it'll lead to something in the future, but I didn't do it because of hoping that necessarily I did it yeah. because quite honestly, I don't know. I like sharing my life with people. Yeah. And I like, you know, whether it's talking about something on a very personal level or just showing you an outfit that I have or dyeing my hair blue you know, it's just another facet of who I am and in my life. And why not share this thing if it brings me some level of joy? And I love how uh, genuine that is. Like, I think that's, I think that's the right way to put it is like when companies gift and don't expect anything of you, you get to see someone's authentic experience of it and whether they like it or not. Yeah. And why they're doing it. Cause like even a lot of bloggers right now, I'm noticing they'll put hashtag ad on things. I don't know if it's part of the new guidelines or if the companies required them to do it or if they want to look like they're getting paid for things. But half the time I can't even tell anymore what people like, what they've been told they have to do. It's very true. And I do try to make a point with certain places like to say something is not sponsored or not an ad, but I don't always remember to do that because yeah, honestly, like if I'm not saying something's an ad, just assume it's not just assume I wasn't. Paid. Exactly. And I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that there definitely are bloggers. I know that they will never post something that they weren't paid to post about. And I don't particularly respect that. Um, and you know, because it's like, if you were only willing to share things you were paid to share and never anything past that, how can I trust feel this way? Or if you were paid to feel this way. So, I mean, I think that truly, if you want to have that type of an authentic experience, it doesn't mean you can't take anything paid. Of course you can, but yeah, a mix of things. Like if you like something, and you want to give them a shout out, why not? Who cares if they're not paying you for it? I agree. Like I, one of the things that I'm really trying to focus on, especially during this time in quarantine, is supporting smaller brands. Yes. And shopping local. So for me, it's in the Philadelphia area, but obviously there are small brands everywhere that I want to try to support too. So I put out like a call on my Instagram stories, asking friends to recommend small businesses and I promoted pretty much every single one that came in to me through that question. And it's like, these are 
brands that are being recommended by friends. I don't necessarily know them myself. I hadn't been paid by any of these brands, worked with them before, anything like that. Um, there were a couple I turned down only because they either weren't inclusive or weren't plus, but I was open to anything like, and I was promoting, you know, restaurants, whatever. And I still want to try to do that too. You know, there have been, Philly has a really interesting food scene and we've been trying to do, you know, we try not to order food throughout the week. And then on the weekend, either Friday or Saturday, we'll order out from someplace. That's nice. And, you know, we're specifically focusing on places that are not chains that don't have another location really because I really want to help support them and also just try new things and get to experience new things at the same time. But like, I'm never going to ask them like, Hey, sponsor me, pay me because I also know like everyone is struggling right now. And if I can actually help you with something as simple as tagging you or saying, Hey, I just had the sandwich that was delicious. Here's the place. Why, why it like, it takes another second or two out of my day to like add a tag to something and it can help them. Like I ultimately, I want to try to help as many people as I can in life. And whether that's through, you know, being vulnerable and sharing my experience or doing something as simple as tagging them and promoting them, you know, if I can help, I can benefit anyone else's life. I want to try to do that. I definitely learned at a, I mean, I can't even, not at an early age because I was like, you know, in my twenties or whatever, but like I learned the power of the written word and I felt mm-hmm. it early into my career. I never wanted to write negative pieces, tear down pieces. I have been to events and shows where I've been like, this was not for me mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to write about it because I don't want to be the thing that takes them down or hurts their career because I know that I can also help someone's career. I had a friend of a friend who had, um, he did, he created a musical. It was phenomenal was mm-hmm. years ago, but I wrote about it on the Huffington Post and he was able to get meetings with Broadway producers. Amazing. Post link. And he has since gone on to write and produce another musical called Grinder. And I know that he's won some awards for it and it's performed in uh, London as well too, as well mm-hmm. as in New York and other places. And like, I know it benefited him. Obviously, yeah. he has grown on his own without my help. However, I feel like doing writing that article because I was so moved by this play that he had done that was amazing. You know, I saw how that benefited him. And I only want to try to benefit people. Wow, I really I like that. Won't say anything. I'd much rather say nothing and not write about things than write something negative and I'm not talking about for like I mean I'm not talking about for like politics or speaking out against injustices I'm talking about like like there are brands out there where I'm like why does this exist we already have another 20 brands that are just like this this is not my taste doesn't have to be my taste not everything has to be for me so I don't have to write that like why is there another brand like this when there's 20 up like no I can just move on with my life and be like they're either going to succeed or fail on their own skills, merits, connections, whatever. I don't need to be something that's going to hurt them. Now, in light of this, because I I really like this, actually, I actually see a lot of ways that us bloggers or just people in general can maybe let go of certain negativities than addressing them and bringing attention and energy to it and wasting energy on it. Um, So I think this is really beneficial advice. But in regards to small businesses, is there any like plus size small businesses that like you love that 
people should maybe look into. Like one of mine, I really enjoy Ori every day from Los Angeles. I haven't tried their stuff. I'm aware of their existence, but I haven't tried it yet. Um, I'd be willing to try it if they're listening. They can send me stuff. I'll message um, them. They're great. Yeah. I said, um, I'll be like, hey, you should like check out this person and like. <laughs> sure. Um, I. So I, I mean, I don't know. Is Eloquist still considered a small business? Because I, I will go don't. for it. Just let's say plus size businesses that you're like, okay, you have to check out. Yeah. Um. So obviously them, but they're. I mean, they're an industry leader. I would say. Yeah. Um, Mara Malice. Uh, I love her. Yes. She is a fantastic person. I helped create content for her website for when she launched. Um. I think she's doing something very different from what you see in Plus typically. Um, I think the quality is great. I think it's definitely there. Um, I wish that she had more of a following. I wish that more people were buying her stuff because these are, yes, a pricier piece, but a high quality piece and okay. so much thought into it. Like she is putting so much thought into not just the design or the print or whatever, but like where she's sourcing the materials, really? from, you know, all like so many layers to it. And she's just She's very talented. She's very creative. And I really like her aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ha- who else? I just, I mean, like literally this week, just learned about a place called New Works, N-O-O. Works <gasps> go up yes. Um, I have not tried any of their things, but no, I have like a thousand dollars worth of stuff in my cart right now. And I'm trying to pare it down to like under $200 worth. Yeah. Um, so I cannot speak to the fit, the quality, anything, yeah. but I really like the prints. I wish I learned about them sooner because one of the prints I love is sold out and never coming back. But so at least now I'm aware of them. So I will keep eyeing their site going forward too, because it sounds like they do a lot of like the same style or silhouette. So like t-shirt, leggings, different types of dress or whatever, but like in those prints and they're yeah. really neat prints. So you definitely want to keep an eye on them going forward. Um, who else is good? You know, I, again, I haven't worn anything from them, but I like that, uh, hours, H-O-U-R-S, hours. Oh, yes. Yes. I've heard of them. They're a sustainable, uh, clothing company. It's definitely more on the minimalist side, but Mm. I feel that, you know, I mean, me, I'm not a minimalist. I'm definitely more of a maximalist. However, it's really good to have those types of you know, essential pieces in your closet that you yeah. build off of. Like everyone can use a, you know, a V-neck t-shirt or a long yeah. t-shirt or whatever, because you can do so much with it. So it's very good to have, have those staple pieces. And I appreciate that they are taking a more sustainable angle with it. So they use a lot of garments that were going to be uh, fabric that was potentially going to be heading to a landfill. You know, they're kind of rescuing these pieces and I feel that there aren't a ton of sustainable brands in plus. Yes. So I appreciate that they are taking the time to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I like universal standard also. Ooh, I've I, never tried them, but it looks so good. I like, so I like the fit on universal standard. I think the quality is good. Again, it's more of a minimalist brand. Yeah. The people that I typically am attracted to are on the more maximalist side. So like yeah. when they did collaboration with Rodarte, you know, uh, the jumpsuit and the top with all the frills and everything. Like, yeah. I love that. But I do have some of their classic pieces, too. And I do love how inclusive they are. Yes. Uh, 
I didn't really love Alex's whole thing about like, plus is dead. I definitely talked to them about it. They know my feelings on it. I understood exactly what they were trying to say. However, I didn't feel like it was said best only because I am a big proponent of don't drop the plus stop acting like it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, I never hear anyone saying like, drop the petite, stop saying, but I know, right? Like it's the same fucking thing. Plus tall petite. It just lets me know there's something in my size. Yes. I understand for them that like, they don't need to have those divisions because they are such an inclusive brand. Yes. I mean, they go from what, like zero, double zero up to a 40. Like, I don't know any other people to do that. No, neither do I. So it's like, I understand from their level and also what they're saying in terms of like, how will we ever have inclusive in the future if we have to have divisions? However, I truly don't think we will ever have a fully inclusive future where every brand out there will offer every size that exists because it's just not feasible for a lot of brands, especially small brands. So yeah. I don't think that will ever be our future. However, I appreciate that they're trying to be as inclusive as... Yeah, I agree. Um, another brand that's really great that I think a lot of people sleep on is Ishakti. Um, what is that? I don't think I've ever heard of that. I don't know what the name is about or anything because I think it's a very strange <laughs> name. But I'm up already, I'm like, what is Ishate? Like, uh, it's like E S H A K E I maybe. H-K. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, okay. I believe okay. they're based out of India. I think that's where things are being made. They go from size zero to thirty-six W. Okay, I'm like literally looking at the feed right now. Yes, I feel like, you know, it's not the best that they only show one size model. Yeah, they're very thin. Yeah, but every single piece on that site, not only can it be custom made to your exact measurements, I think for like seven bucks or nine bucks or something small like that, but they go up to a 36W on every single style. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I, and it's really unique uh customizable to a degree so like if you see a dress on there definitely go like just click on it just to take a look and poke around but usually you can change sleeve length neckline length of skirt um and then i think you can like remove pockets but i don't know why anyone would ever do that but you know right who doesn't love a good pocket I, I all the pockets on i want things with pockets <laughs> 10 pockets down the front of you to your like new line yes <laughs> i actually i wouldn't mind that <laughs> just it's literally just pockets but um (laughs) but yeah I I have a few pieces from them that I've really loved I don't know why they don't get more attention and more love exactly because I think that they're definitely worth it Mm -hmm. Um, and the price point is really good and they do have sales too on top of it I'm gonna have to check Um, that out definitely check them out because it's I don't remember what the timeline is like in terms of getting pieces or anything I don't remember it's like any type of extraordinarily long time at all but um but yeah it's and just the fact that they have such a wide size range available that's nice really wish more people were aware of them and Mm -hmm. they have i mean like and definitely scroll through because they definitely run the gamut in terms of types of styles there's a lot of like fit and flair and classic things or sheath dress or whatever and then you'll find things that are like really unique or really out there and love it's worth scrolling through you know, so I like them a lot. Oh, God, I, that's gonna, I'm gonna later and be like, oh my God, why? I know I-? it's, it's hard when you're on the spot. Mm-hmm. Like it's so hard when you can't just like pull up the phone and be like, okay, wait a second, actually. Because I want to support all, 
all of like the smaller indie brands and the people who are doing things. You know? I've heard one that's really good out of Los Angeles. It's like, I think it's called Big Comfort or something. I don't know them. I don't know it either. Hold on. They have all this like really cool tie-dye shit. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, that's not, I've never tried them, but I always see people wearing them and I'm like, that looks so cool. I love a jumpsuit and they have like the jumpsuits in all the colors kind of thing. Like I do want to get one eventually, but um, oh, me too. Yeah, I, like, I find like certain pieces are like from these kind of companies are a bit more of an investment because you're going to shell out like a few hundred, like a couple hundred, a few hundred. But like, I bet the quality is amazing. Not that I've ever experienced it, but I'm assuming it would be something that lasts. Yeah, often I have found the case. Occasionally, yes, you will find places where like it wasn't worth the money. But um, but one of the things I've been trying to focus on as I've gotten older is uh, quality over quantity. Yes. So not really, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't ever shop in fast fashion places because I'm not even sure what defines something as that. Yeah. Like, eloquent considered fast fashion I'm not positive if it is or not yes but like, I would still shop there or like H&M or something too mm-hmm. but I am really trying to pay more attention to who am I supporting yes so like I'm trying to shop on Amazon as little as possible for some things where like we need paper towels there's none in stock in the stores here that's where I'm going to go yeah but like something like my best friend's son is turning one next week. I have been looking online for local places in Philadelphia where I can buy something and then pick it up, like curbside pickup. Mm. I'm really trying to support small businesses. And yeah. local businesses. So this requires more time on my part, I know, but mm-hmm. I'm willing to spend my time to know that my money is actually going to go and impact someone personally. Yeah. Fucking Jeff visas with his trillion dollars like he doesn't need any more money ever and he's not he's definitely not redistributing the wealth to his workers or helping them or anything like that so I want to try to support that as little as possible Mm -hmm. same way as like I really am a strong believer of vote with your dollar so like even if there is a an artist or a singer or someone like that I like and they do something atrocious I no longer am willing to support them I personally am not willing to separate the art from the artist. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to watch Woody Allen movies anymore because he yeah. is scum. And <laughs> you're like, just scum, just like yeah. on my show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, so I make those types of choices and I'm trying to do that kind of stuff going forward with fashion as well. So I'm trying not to support places like Amazon as much when I could potentially support a smaller business or a local business and put things back, money back into local economy. Yeah. Or just at the very least, like knowing that me spending money at this place is helping someone keep their lights on or put food in their stomach versus just like adding, you know, pennies to his bank account in comparison to the amount of money he has. So I'm just trying to do that. No, I, I think it's important to be conscious of that. Like I know I attempt to support, even if I can't say I can't financially afford to maybe purchase items from that store, I still want to support them in whatever way I can, whether that's just sharing them on my feed or sharing the work they're doing or asking them to be on the podcast or, you know, maybe they're doing something different by using 
So a lot of things in Canada may be like designed in Canada, but it may not be used in materials from Canada. So companies are doing things different than sure. Come on on here or share your story. Like let's get that spoken to, um, especially with plus size, because, um, I don't find there are some great plus size options out there, but there could always be more. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So I always like to share those. Yes. And I mean, that's why I also, I don't want to talk negatively if there is another brand that doesn't appeal to me because I'm just happy that that brand exists. I like Like, that. Get up in arms about 11 on array being expensive, but of course they're expensive. They're carrying high-end designers where they're either using high-end fabrics or materials, or yes, maybe you are paying for a brand name. You know, I can't possibly say for every single piece. However, why don't we deserve that too? I mean, Gucci yeah. exists, Chanel exists for skinny people too. And like, so we can't afford that either. Like, so it shouldn't exist just because something you can't afford. No, like I can't afford things on Levin on Array either, but I'm so happy it exists because yeah. there are people who can afford it. And to me, that's more of an aspirational thing in terms of like, for the longest time, people talk about like the models needing to be aspirational and look a certain way and whatever. That's not aspiring to me. Aspiring is like being able to someday, you know, purchase these kinds of things and not feel like, oh my God, what did I just do by spending that kind of money? Yeah. That's something aspirational in a sense, but I also can just appreciate it on an art level too. Yeah, just I agree. Pieces. But yeah, I think a lot of people get up in arms, you know, about cost or about personal aesthetic and taste and it's like not everything is for everyone yeah it's not possible there will always be things that will appeal to a niche audience or whatever and it doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist just because it doesn't exist for you Mm -hmm. um and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with yeah I agree you know because I think sometimes it can be hard to think past yourself and we're people out there outside of you and Maybe they like these things. Maybe it's okay if you don't care for it. You don't have to just move on with your life. Do something else. I love that. I love that. And this note, I think we've been like an hour and a half we've been podcasting for. I feel like we could go on forever, like just bonding. And on that note, is there anything that we haven't covered today that maybe you'd like to add or any type of advice you'd like to share with the listeners? Um... God. Uh, I mean, yeah, be, be nice. You never know who who is going to offer you your next job. Today's intern is tomorrow's CEO and people have long memories. And if you were a dick to them, they will remember that. Yeah. So yeah, be nice to people. There's just no reason to be an asshole. Um, Take chances. The worst thing that happens is they say no. And you try and you fail. It's okay. You know, there's so much growth that happens from failures and from mistakes. And if you don't fail and if you don't make mistakes, I really don't believe that you can ever have the same kind of growth because you haven't been given an opportunity to learn from the situation. Everything just happens to you instead of you happening with it. Yes. So don't be afraid. And also don't be afraid to put it out there if you want to work with someone. If you want to do something like... I'm not going to pretend like I haven't had privileges in life. You know, I, I, you know, even though, yes, I'm fat. So that's held me back in the fashion industry to a degree. Sure. 
I didn't have any connections going in. My parents were not involved with it in any capacity. However, I had a college education that my parents paid for. I grew up in a two-family, two-parent household where I knew I'd have a roof over my head and food in my stomach. I didn't have to worry. So I had those types of benefits in life. Yes. But in that sense, I do feel like pretty much anyone could do the things I'm doing in that you can put yourself out there. You can go after the things that you want in life. It doesn't matter what the field is. You can find a way in to make connections, to contact people because you have to start from somewhere. And Mm -hmm. I started from working at a global corporate law firm that did nothing with fashion. I had no connections in there. So you just have to be willing to put the time and the effort in for things that you really want. You know, chances are nothing is going to be handed to you. Um, the only times I've had things handed to me in life was after years of networking and working towards mm-hmm. those things and then being offered an opportunity. But I, you know, did not just have someone come up to me and be like, Hey, you want to be a writer? Like, <laughs> work hard at those things to get to that place. And that's true for pretty much most fields. If you don't already have, you know, nepotism to help you or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Because the worst thing that happens is you're going to get told no. That's that's the worst thing that happens. And I'd much rather be told no because I made, I took a chance on something versus never having taken the chance and still be working at that law firm or some other type of job that I would be miserable in and just being like, oh, well, it's just a dream, you know? Oh, a sad missed opportunity. Yeah, you know, what is it? Is it some sort of saying with that about like the only opportunities that are missed are the ones you don't take or yeah like that but you know it's it's true you just got to put yourself out there and you know it's worth trying things like trying something new I mean like you're doing this podcast you know hopefully it takes off hopefully it becomes something if it didn't that's okay too you know it's a great experience to get to have and just being able to have conversations with people and connect with them on a deeper level you know, even that on its own could lead to something else. You never know. Well, that's actually, it's interesting. That's what I talked about in the first episode is that I never did this podcast to be like society's definition of successful. It's just that I wanted to learn from others and I wanted to connect with them. And I wanted to share these important conversations in a public forum where others could maybe hear and listen to them too. So if one person listened or if one person learned something or it changed their life in some way, then to me, that's the marker of success. I agree completely. That's why I'm willing to put myself out there and share my story and be vulnerable because I've always said, if it helps one person, then it feels like it's worth it. And I know my story out there has helped even more than one person. So that's why I'm willing to continue to do it. And, you know, experience sometimes these very raw emotions and being in a vulnerable place because if sharing my story, sharing my experience, if it helps someone else get through it, yeah, then I want I want to do that. I mean, maybe it goes back to being a psych major and having a focus in that, but like I want to try to help people embrace themselves and love themselves and be kind to themselves because I think when you're kind to yourself, you will be kind to others. You know, I hurt agree. people, hurt people, and yep. I think when you, especially like with trolls and everything, I, anytime I see that, I just see someone that's in pain and someone that is suffering and just cannot stand the fact that they see someone like me who is not feeling like that. 
Yep. And I feel bad for them, but I also am just not willing to waste my energy with trolls <laughs> out with them or engage with them. So, I mean, I personally, I delete block and move on. I don't engage, but, Good for you. but you know, it's just, I, I hope that my message can get through to people who are struggling and who do have any kinds of, of self-hatred or whatever, or insecurities. I just hope that maybe something I've said mm-hmm. at any point in time can help them. Um, because then, yeah, it's, it's worth me putting myself out there if it could help. Now I'm going to be putting all this information in the show notes, but where can people find you online? Um, so at PS it's fashion on pretty much all social media, except for my Twitter is the Liz black because someone else had PS it's fashion, even though they did nothing with it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, or my site is psitsfashion.com. Um, I write for a variety of places, but I'm not really focusing on any of that currently. I'm focusing more just on my own site and what I'm trying to do with it. Um, and we'll see what happens. I have some a couple things that I'm working on personally, and we'll see if anything comes from it or not. Maybe it'll just be hobbies. Who knows? But um, yeah. I cannot wait to see what you have coming in the future. Thank you so much. And that is it for today's episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to Glassbreakers podcast. You can find all the details from today's episode in the show notes. If you're looking for our exclusive promo codes, that's where you'll find them as well. For additional podcast information, head over to KaylaLogan.com underneath the podcast section. To check us out on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Glassbreakers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. And until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.